Abba, Father. Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Luke. Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, Teach us to pray, even as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone in debt to us. Do not subject us to the final test. The Gospel of the Lord. Those of you that have been into the rectory during open house or otherwise, at least since I've lived there, know that at the foot of the stairs, going up to where the priest's bedrooms are, or on the top of the landing, coming up from the front door, depending on which direction you're coming from, stands a picture, a photograph. It's old and weathered. I've brought it over in past years, but it's getting so fragile, I'm afraid of busting it up. In the picture is uh, my dad. And uh, Bill McCoy, who had Sellers Hardware over by the fairgrounds for many years. Monsignor Lagoutier, who founded Catholic Rural Life. And St. John the 23rd, whose feast we keep today. And the reason I have the picture right there at the foot of the stairs, right by the front door, is because that picture was taken just a week before St. John the 23rd, called the Second Vatican Council. It was also taken just about two weeks before dad met my mom. No one in that picture has any idea what's about to happen to them. No one in that picture has any notion that their lives and the world, my world and the world, are about to change. And so I keep that picture by the front door so that as I leave each day, I keep it by the the entrance to our bedroom so that as I come home each night, I'm confronted and challenged with the prospect that everything I say and everything I do today, everything I fail to say and everything I fail to do today has consequences, impacts, effects for eternity. The the version of the Lord's Prayer we just heard from St. Luke is not the one we're most familiar with because the, the version that came into the liturgy came from St. Matthew. It's a bit neater and cleaner, and there are parallelisms that work better in Latin and then ultimately in English than than this version. I think when we get into the game of trying to figure out which version of a thing that appears more than once in the scriptures is most authentic, uh, that we've usually missed the point of whatever the scripture was itself trying to say. Jonah, who shows up in the first reading, was just yesterday swallowed and puked up by a whale, right? 
And so, so, so in the book of the prophet Jonah, the word in Hebrew, definitely big fish, not a whale. But when Jesus cites the passage in Greek, he says whale. Which one was it? It don't matter. That's not the point of the story. And if we got fixed on the Our Father in that way, we'd have the same kind of problem. But here's what I think does matter about the story of Jonah. Jonah's witness would have mattered not at all if he had not been swallowed by the whale. And he would not have been swallowed by the whale had he not been on the boat that he was using to not go where God told him to, to not preach what God told him to preach. God had a mission for Jonah that God was going to see accomplished, whether Jonah wanted to or not. It got better for Jonah once Jonah started cooperating with God's will. But that didn't mean that God removed himself from the story while Jonah was in the middle of his sin. Jonah's given to these temper tantrums, right? He first has a temper tantrum when God says he wants him to go to Nineveh. And, and the reason is he's pretty sure God will save Nineveh. He says that right here at the beginning. For I knew you were a generous and a merciful God, slow to anger and abounding in great kindness. He knows his psalms and he knows that if God says repent or else, that if the people repent, there's not going to be an or else. But Jonah really hates Nineveh, so he doesn't want them to get the or else. He wants them to be destroyed. So he goes the other direction. And he gets on the boat and the storm comes up and so the guys throw him overboard and he's swallowed by the whale. If pious Jonah, the Jewish prophet, had wandered into the city of Nineveh and started preaching repentance, he would be taken about as seriously as a street corner preacher in Vegas or Reno. That's what Christians do. They get up in the grill of people they think are sinning and they yell at them. That would be the effect. And nobody would have listened, or only a handful of people would have listened. The city certainly would not have repented. It's only because the crazy man covered in the whale puke showed up that anybody paid attention to him at all. Which would not have happened had he not first resisted. Now, this doesn't countenance our sin. It goes better for Jonah once he's cooperating. But it should give us a certain degree of hope. Your sins aren't bigger than God. They're important. Got to clean them up but you are not going to thwart God's will. You might just make yourself unhappier for longer. So like Jonah, let's get to it. God set a mission before us, and we'd be fools to turn the other way.